Welcome to Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. My name's Wayne. And I'm Robert. And welcome back, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, we've got a we've got an interesting one today, but uh, I just wanted to thank everybody for downloading and listening to our previous episode, basically our memorial episode for Walter. And uh, I, I apologize I wasn't able to be there. Baby stuff <laughs> and whatnot. But yeah, I, I'm... You know, I've I've listened to the episode, and and uh, I hope you have too. If you haven't, please please go and, and listen to it. Um, you know, we're talking about the the life and the work of a of a really great man. So please do. And uh, once you're done that, come back and listen to us again <laughs> on the next episode here. So so ha- having listened to that without having participated in it, what did you think of the episode? It was it was very very good. It's it's very weird. Like like I I don't much listen to my own. Right. I don't know if anybody else is like this who has a podcast. Like it's it's really hard to listen to yourself sometimes and you're like, now I'm listening to my podcast, but I'm not on it, right? I'm like, this, <laughs> right. Is, this is weird. <laughs> like, you know what? Yeah. So I started to listen to it because I assumed that you would sort of listen to them before. <laughs> Apparently not. Um, but like so Rob posted them and he's like, you know, take a listen to it. And I was like, okay, well, Wade wasn't on it, so I was like, I'll just listen to it. And I don't know if Rob does something to my voice, but it didn't annoy me like it normally does. So I actually listened to pretty much the whole thing again. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Yeah. That's so whatever cool. Rob does, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Rob Rabazado, everybody, in case you're wondering. He's, uh, he's a social media manager for uh, Misdirected Mark uh, Productions. So, but yeah, why don't we dive into the topic today? And, and uh, this is kind of a long one. So if this ends up being two parter, we don't quite know yet. We'll see. So, Rob and I were chatting and, and trying to figure out, you know, what do we want to record next? And uh, obviously there's lots and lots of topics, but something that people have kind of constantly asked us and, and we've talked a lot of, and people have talked a lot about, and just, there seems to be that, that theme right now is what, what is Dark Sun in fifth edition? Um, and I know it's a very, very broad topic and we're going to cover this in kind of a two pronged approach. One will be basically what's it going to take for wizards to create this? Like officially, obviously we know that it could just tomorrow they might just say, yeah, Dark Sun's open on DMs Guild, have at it. But basically, if they're going to create, you know, a hardcover or or adventure book or whatnot or or whatever it is that they're going to do, what is it going to take to do that and and have us the fans be happy with it? Obviously, because you know you can just put something out and it might not work. But secondly, is what are some of the things that we think would be fifth edition Dark Sun? Obviously. Robert runs a, a couple of Dark Sun games. You know, I've tinkered with the rules to see what, what it would be like. So we're going to talk about those both angles. We're going to start, like, I'd like to start with, we're going to talk a little about the survey. We're going to talk a little bit about what Chris Perkins has said. And we're talk about what the environment looks like for Wizards right now to bring that in. So actually, Robert, why don't you start off? Recently, well, not recently, like about four years ago, Wizards put out a survey and there were some results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they put out a survey and they asked, you know, one of the questions in the survey was, you know, like, what's your favorite setting or what, what maybe it was like, what do you want to see in fifth edition? But the answer was, uh, and I'm quoting from their page here, it says, our most popular settings from prior editions landed at the top of the rankings with Eberron, Ravenloft, Dark Sun, Planescape, and the Forgotten Realms, all proving equally popular. Greyhawk, Dragonlance, and Spelljammer all shared a similar level of second tier popularity followed by a steep drop off with the rest of the settings so you know with that i feel like you know ravenloft is already out there mm-hmm. forgotten realms uh are obviously already out there ravenloft yep. uh, or Aberon, we you know we know is coming soon 
Avernus, you know, is that Planescape? Is is you know, I'm not sure if that really covers Planescape, but it mm-hmm. could scratch that itch for some people, depending on the level of planery, you know, plane <laughs> plane hopping and stuff like that in yep. in that yep. in that book. So you know, given all of that, you know, I think Dark Sun is going to come out soon. You know, if yeah. I don't think it's going to come out this year, but I think, you know, I think next year is a, a real possibility. So, sorry, we should caveat this. This part of the episode is going to be like that speculation episode. Um, <laughs> neither Robert and I work for Wizards of the Coast. We don't yep. know what's coming up. Um, that is true. We're, we're not saying Dark Sun is tomorrow. Like, that's, that's not what we're saying. But I, I wanted to look at that. So just to take a step back, exactly what Robert said. So let's just talk about Planescape for a sec. Wizards has has said in a few different times and different podcasts and different things that they may not release they may not release Planescape as we would think they would going to maybe they'll re- release some sort of thing on on Sigil or whatnot but they've been kind of massaging Planescape stuff into the Forgotten Realm stuff that they've been doing so we've definitely seen elements of it so would we see a Planescape setting <sighs> hard to say right? Mm-hmm. Speculation time. So that means on that list, the only thing that that is left is Dark Sun. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there's people out there that are like, you know, a Greyhawk and, and Dragonlance and Spelljammer. Those are my favorite. Like, I like those settings, probably Greyhawk the least, but I like Dragonlance. I like Spelljammer. That's great. But, you know, they do these surveys for a reason and look at the numbers and look at what people are saying. And it might be different now. That, was, that survey was yeah. done four years ago, mm-hmm. almost exactly four years ago, I think. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it was like June or, or May four years ago in 2015. So the other thing is, is if you listen to Chris Perkins, he did an interview, I think it's 2014 or 2015. I, I can't even remember. And this is the one he did before he got censored the next year at Game Holcon. <laughs> so yeah, he, he was told, yeah, you can't reveal that much information. Talking about, there's a point where he starts talking about settings and he's talking about how much, you know, based on their numbers, what are people looking at? Like, what are people using their books for? And back then, it was like, you know, mostly, mostly, mostly homebrew. I can't remember the exact number. Then it was like 30% Forgotten Realms, and it was 10% everything else. <laughs> so obviously, if Forgotten Realms is a big part, let's, I think it was maybe 20 or 30%. And then everything else combined is 10%. Mm-hmm. They're not going to look at that. But it seems, to me, it feels like there's been a shift and and I can even say a shift in the last 12 months of something a little bit different. Now, let me just run through. The last 12 months, we've had Eberron, the Wayfinder's Guide, and plus now the announcement that there's a new hardcover coming up. That That's in the last 12 months. There's been Ravnica and all the plane shift downloads that mm-hmm. uh, James White has done. You know, some people are like, oh, don't get magic in my d d doesn't matter. <laughs> people are, it seems like people... Those were popular enough. Those plane shift articles were popular enough for them to actually put Ravnica to paper. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they didn't have to source a lot of the art, but you know, to put Ravnica to paper. And not just that, like that was done sort of by an extra team. Like that's still James White, but he's on the magic team. Right. And then you have stuff that's come in outside of that. You have Acquisitions Inc. And that came out uh, as of this recording last month, I think mm-hmm. in June. And that's, you know, Penny Arcade approaching Wizards and going, we want to write this. We, we've been making jokes and podcasts about it. We want to write this. And if you've picked it up, it is very different than Forgotten Realms, obviously. But that's almost a setting into itself. Yeah, You've got Stranger Things. Stranger Things has a, their own box set. <laughs> I mean, you, you went from, it's you know still D&D, but it's 
They have their own box set. Rick and Morty. There's a Rick and Morty thing coming out in what uh, November? Yeah, I can't something remember like the that. exact date, right? And then obviously we talked about Ravenloft came out previously, and then now you have the third party settings, like you have the Taldore settings for Critical Role. Mm-hmm. You have the Midgar setting from Cobalt Press. It seems like people's appetite to me. It feels like people's appetite for a new campaign setting, a new way to play D- almost a new way to play D anD D, a new play space to play dd is is ripe for the picking now yeah. people want that i would venture to say that wayfinder's guide for eberron is probably one of the most popular downloads on dm's guild mm-hmm. i don't know the exact i don't know the exact numbers of everybody else's um, i don't know the exact numbers for wayfinders but it blew through platinum in like two hours that's pretty good yeah you know those kind of things and and i look at it going people want this so if Dark Sun is the next most popular setting, because you've finished Eberron, Ravenloft, Planescape, sort of, and Forgotten Realms, Eberron's, uh, the te- Dark Sun is the next one. Yeah. It's, it's the next one coming in. So that, to me, I think that makes it the most likely next step for Wizards to do. And I think that they've always said, yes, eventually we're going to do this. We're going to get to it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I think that time that we're that eventually is now. Yeah, and, and and I don't mean this year, but maybe next year. Yeah, I would. Who knows? I would. I, mean, I would put money on it that it's that it's next year, based on all yeah, of what we're like, talking about right now. Like maybe it's yeah. maybe it's you know a little after, but just the way things are going, I feel like it's it's going to be next year. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's really that time to capitalize on it. So that means everybody who's running fifth edition dark sun and has their conversions and has their ideas and has their things your time is coming your your time is pretty much now (laughs) your time to prepare something for for dm's guild is probably now (laughs) getting it ready for the next thing so yeah the next part we're going to talk about is what do we think like obviously robert has has a conversion i've had some thoughts there's a lot of people out there with a lot of different conversions i've downloaded a couple of them read through them what do we think now is is going to be likely? And that's not just basically, yes, it's this, this is the conversion. More the fact that what needs to come into fifth edition and what difficulties will there be mm-hmm. doing that? Right. So Robert, why don't you start us off and and we're gonna kind of work through the original Dark Sun campaign setting format. It's not necessarily what Wizards uses today, but it's a nice way to kind of look at some of the things that made Dark Sun so unique so special and now we need to look at those in a fifth edition setting yeah so like you said there you know there are a lot of conversions out there and i want to put a few links in the show notes of where you can find some of these conversions there's a great list that some people on arena.athis.org maintaining that has several let's see uh polyomnicles is has a list um and there's one two three four five six seven there's eight eight different conversions there in the Dark Sun fans Facebook group, there are a whole bunch of files in there. So I'll share that as well. And so there's a lot of conversions out there. And mm-hmm. different people, you know, obviously have different ideas as to what makes Dark Sun, you know, some conversions just use the basics and then they kind of go pretty far afield, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion, uh, on, on Dark Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other ones try to keep that second edition feel even, you know, making their own psionics to to be second edition other ones kind of convert 
physician spells to psionic. So there's like all kinds of different ways to do it. And the right. funny thing, you know, about, you know, about wizards is like wizards is, you know, 10 people over there. Yeah. They know the game well, but they're just 10 people. And yeah, so they're going to put something out mm -hmm. and some people are going to like it and some people are not going to like it. So there's going to be a lot of content. Mm -hmm. They're going to put it on the DMs guild. Yep. And then there's going to be so much room for everybody to put their content, how they want it. Yeah. I think it's going to be the, you know, you're, we're going to have the best dark sun because we're going to be able to take whatever we want from both mm -hmm. wizards and from the DMs guild to make really the dark sun that we want. So yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked for it. I think I want to, I, I want to take a moment to encourage people here. Obviously I'm, I'm involved in the, the Eberron community and with Eberron being out, there's been a lot of people just starting to finally get their feet wet, write some stuff for Eberron. Even people like, I don't know what to do. And like, just get out there. And just go do it. And there's don't, don't get me wrong. There's some things that are are I I don't feel are, are as good, or maybe they miss the point, or maybe they're not as lore friendly. And there's some people that do very very excellent work. But it's the same thing. Is that it becomes instead of it's a shared world that if you're in this community you get to be a part of. This is becomes you get to share your ideas with the greater community. Yes. What's likely going to happen is we're just going to put an adventure book or a source book out for Dark Sun and be like, here's here's the official conversion of, or not, I don't even use the conversion. This is 5th edition Dark Sun. This is what we did with Thracreen, and this is what we did with the filing, and this is what we did with Templars. This is our official version. And then everybody gets to go, you know what? I agree with that. I'd like to add something to it. Or I don't agree with that. This is how I would have done defiling in my place. Right. But then you get to share that with that community. And I think, I hope, and I think that this kind of thing has opened up a, a huge amount of value in DMs Guild. And obviously, yes, you can make some money off of it, but you can also basically, it is the largest D&D, I, I feel like D, DMs Guild is the largest community that we don't talk to each other, obviously, because <laughs> there's not much, like there's not that communication, but that we can share what we believe and what we know in a positive and a constructive way. And I see that happening with the Eberron community. And I love to see that happen with the Dark Sun community. Like I'd, I'd love to see that that come up as we go. And, you know, when, when there's like, and Robert mentioned it too. I mean, if there's a conversion that you don't like, and that can include wizards conversion, if there's a conversion you don't like, you don't have to use it. Right. You, you have your own conversion. That's great. But if you put that out there, someone else might agree with you or you might be like, I love that conversion. Here's some add-ons to it. Someone might love that. We're not Matt Mercer. You know, we're not going to have like the most popular downloaded, you know, gunslinger class out there. <laughs> but, you know, that was him saying, I, I you know, I'm going to put this out and, and make it available. And great people love it. You know, and some people might put out something and, and you know, it just might just be for you. But there might be one or two people who are going to download it out there. Even if it's free to download. But download it. Just take a look. Right. Anyways, I'm I'm rambling a little bit. I, I do really do love uh, how DM's Guild has has brought this out for a lot of people. But let's let's get into it. I mean, sure. Dark Sun was never the was never standard D and D. This is one of the things that I believe will be a sticking point for Dark Sun Fifth Edition. Mm -hmm. Is that let's say for Eberron, Eberron was if it exists in D and D, it exists in Eberron. Right. That's an easy transition. <laughs> in Dark Sun, it was. This was this was never meant to be standard D and D, and this is where things are going to get complicated, and this is where it's going to be fun because this is where those conversions 
and those words and and whatnot will and we're guessing i mean they might go like hey i like robert's i like robert's rules i like this set of rules we're gonna just copy them (laughs) like i don't think they're gonna do that but it's like what is what is it gonna look like yeah so i think one of the things that we also have to consider are just like the differences between second edition and fifth edition now, how are they going to handle that? Well, we can go back to fourth edition and we can kind of look to see what they did. They did a lot of really cool things, I felt like. And then I also felt like they did some things that were, were not so cool. And so I, mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to get the same thing, you know, and that's why I said I'm excited about the DM skill is because all of those things that we don't like in fourth edition, we just kind of had to suck it up a little bit. Yeah, you can make, you know, we all had, we had some house rules and, you know, we posted some stuff on athis.org and stuff like that, but it was, you know, kind of limited. Whereas now with the DMs Guild, we're going to be able to, you know, like I said, make it the way we want to. But what are the differences between second edition and fifth edition? So one of the things that I think Mm -hmm. right off the bat is player characters are a little, a little hardier in, in fourth or in fifth edition. Mm -hmm. And so we got to kind of think about that. One of the whole, you know, main conceits of, of Dark Sun is that it's, it's difficult and it's deadly. And so how do we, you know, model Mm -hmm. that? You know, we'll we'll go into some of that as as we go on, but that's one of the things we you know we want to, at least yeah. I want to make sure that is modeled well, that it's difficult. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really great, that's a really great feel for what one of the things is, and that's one of the you know we're going to talk about some of the in, in like uniqueness, but I personally believe that fifth edition is second edition's direct successor. <laughs> A direct successor in kind of game feel, mm-hmm. whatever, but uses mathematics that actually yeah. work. I'm sorry, but if you like Thaco out there, I, I apologize. Just to, right. to, you don't have to make you. We don't have to make things this complicated, yeah. right? So, like it, it's when I first started playing Fifth Edition, I felt like, hey, this feels like what it felt like when I was playing mm-hmm. Second Edition, but it had all the like the kind of coolness of third and had the math that kind of worked in right. fourth, like those kind of yeah. things that, and obviously we're, we're talking decades of, of game development and changes that yeah make it feel good. So I think one of the things is that if you're playing dark Sun in fifth edition, you can still kind of get that second edition feel, but obviously there's certain things that were modified in second edition for dark sun originally. And those same modifications have to sort of stand in fifth edition. Like Robert said, one of the things is, things felt deadlier now the mathematics of fifth edition if you've done some studies or whatnot there's a certain progression there that kind of keeps you up with everything but in second edition getting armor was was basically impossible i mean you're not going to get plate armor or anything <laughs> like that but it's just those kind of things were were impossible so you've got that yeah i might have a higher constitution score because i have a higher constitution score but there's a you know, there's, there's everything's going to hit yeah, right. me because, you know, Thaco 15 is still going to hit, you know, AC 10 at like 25, right? Like, it's just like, it's still going to like, I'm still going to get hit sort mm-hmm, of thing, mm-hmm. right? So, so, you know, going, like we said, we're going to kind of dive into the, uh, the Dark Sun campaign setting and kind of go through some of the things, you know, we'll try to try to make it quick. We think this is probably going to be end up being a two-parter just because, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we've already been talking for a little while now and then. Um, we got a lot to go through, so let's just get going. So the first chapter is, you know, rolling ability scores. And this, you know, one of the big things about Dark Sun was that it was, you know, so much more powerful. Everything was so much more deadly and characters were much more powerful than kind of your standard D&D. I feel mm-hmm. like that was sort of like a marketing gimmick. And, and 
yeah, they, you know, they lived up to it <laughs> um, with, with the ability scores. But I, I also feel like we don't really need that. There's no, like, you're not, you're never comparing a Forgotten Realms character with a Dark Sun character, really. You know, you're never having a fight between them or anything like that. So I feel like there's no really need for that. Mm-hmm. And if we have stats go up to 20 for starting characters, you know, what are those stats going to be for high level characters? So if we did that, it would, mm-hmm. you know, raise raise all the stats up and everybody would have higher bonuses. And that's going to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. screw with the math. You know, the math yeah. is not super strict, but it's, I think it's strict enough that this is one place where we don't really need to kind of go back to the second edition stats. Yep. Yep. And and I, I agree with you entirely. So just so people understand, you know, you know, a, a 20 in your primary stat is sort of the expected norm of, of where D and D is. You could have a, you know, 25 or whatever it doesn't really throw off the game but there's a certain range expectation there so obviously if you study the math behind that the D stuff there's a certain range of where certain things are so i don't think yeah i, I mean talking about just ability score i think that going with D ability scores just just kind of works you know if you if you decide to roll and you do your 46 drop the lowest sure you might end up with you generally end up with better stats I think it still works. Yeah, and I think, you know, in my games that I've been running, I've just been using the standard array, you know, the 15, 14, 13, 12, mm-hmm. 10, 8, and it's it's been fine. You know, it's there's no difference. People, you know, strong characters are still strong, so there's no difference. You know, if you if you really yep. want it to be a little bit higher than that, you can do, I forget, there's another array that's, you know, you start with 16 or something, so you have a little bit higher. And so you could do that too. I don't think that would throw things off too much if if you really want that. Yeah. If you want your own comparison of like your Dark Sun characters compared to your Forgotten Realms characters, you know, and if that's what you need, go for it. Yeah. So the next chapter is races. There, there's obviously races that that are not in Fifth Edition right now. We have the Mole and the Thrycreen and Half Giant. So those are going to be need to be custom, uh, but also your classic races also need to be custom because like there's no yeah. sub races in Dark Sun, the exception of Thrycreen, and yeah. that was only after their. Uh, they had their own book. They got some sub races. Mm-hmm. So one of the core things is was in second edition. You had you know you had negative ability modifiers. Fifth edition doesn't yeah. have that, and the the easiest thing to do is just to basically chop off those negative ability modifiers. And so for like dwarf, you get plus two constitution, plus one strength. Hey, what do you know? That works for fifth edition perfectly. Elves get plus two dex, plus one mm-hmm. intelligence. So that works pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Half elves they would only end up getting a plus one dex. And so I kind of gave them a little more than that and and gave them the kind of human ability to put a point or two in other places too. So kind of does mm-hmm. the mix of the fifth edition ideals with mm-hmm. with some of the old ideas. Half giants, so that's, you know, <laughs> one of the things I, I asked some people, like, what would you like us to talk about? And a couple of different people said half giants. And that was like in reference mm-hmm. to like having their own episode. So we'll we'll see where we can go with that. Maybe if we do a giant episode, we'll we'll do it all <laughs> in there. But um, half giants, you know, one of the the wonky things about half giants is is that in second edition they were large, and in fifth edition, large creatures. And if you're if you're large and you're using a large size weapon, it increases the die type, yep. which is going to be really dangerous when you're talking about a large mall. <laughs> doing 2d8 and you know stuff like that so yeah 46 <laughs> you double it oh you're right you double the name yeah you double the dice that's right yeah 
And then there's also the idea of like, well, now you're large and so now you're going to have like twice as many people around you. So you're going to take a lot more damage. So there's that whole issue. Mm -hmm. And so what I did in, in, in my fifth edition game is basically I, I kept them medium technically, even though I still say they're super tall mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So, but just for purposes of, yeah. you know, weapons and stuff like that, uh, I kept them medium, but I gave them a powerful build and a mighty wield, which would let people, which would let them use a two handed weapon in one hand. So it kind of gives them a little bit more damage. Mm -hmm. And then a powerful build lets yep. them do things, you know, kind of like, uh, yeah, like Goliath kind of yep. stuff. And so, you know, they're, they're bigger in those ways. They have a better movement speed. I gave them 35 feet. Um, and then I gave them something that I don't think I've seen anywhere else. And I haven't had, I haven't had it come into play a whole lot as far as like noticing that it's overpowered. Uh, but I gave them something called massive. So mm -hmm. I gave them twice the number of hit dice for healing purposes. So they can take a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that, right. how that works out. But so far I think it, it's worked out pretty well. Right. And then, uh, let's see, then we got mule and thrycrane or sorry, we've got a halfling. So halfling, if we just cut off their negative modifiers, it'd get plus two decks and plus two wisdom. So that's probably a little bit more than we want to do in general. So I gave them, um, so you can choose in mine, uh, you can choose your dexterity score increases by two and your wisdom by one or mm -hmm. your wisdom by two and your decks by one. So I kind of flip flop those around a little mm -hmm. bit, depending on what you wanted to do. Sure. And then I, I kept with some of the, you know, some of the fifth edition halfling stuff like brave, but yep. I gave them some feral nature stuff. So they get athletics and perception or perception, you know, they're sure. naturally stealthy and they still have the poison resistance. So yep. I kind of mix, mix the two. They were, they were pretty yep. easy to do. Sure. Let's see. Mules or moles. I gave them, you know, plus two strength, plus one con. That's uh, kind of what, what they would be if we cut off their negative stuff. Mm-hmm. I gave them a tireless thing. So basically they can just, they can resist exhaustion really well. Once they are exhausted, as mm -hmm. long as they get a full, you know, long rest, basically they can, they wake up, mm -hmm. you know, with no exhaustion, which is, uh, I think pretty powerful. Right. And also they get, uh, this incredible toughness. So if they ever end their turn where they're incapacitated, paralyzed or stunned, they can, they can just get mm -hmm. rid of it. So you know, they're super tough. They can just kind of shake mm -hmm. off stuff like that. So I also gave them an additional right. hit dice at first level. So they're kind of tough, obviously not, not in the same level of, of half giants, right. but that seems to work pretty well. Right, right. Then moving with the Thrycreen, Thrycreen in, in the Thrycreen of Athos, they got a couple different sub races. And so I gave them the two kind of most common ones that you would see are Gerald and Toxa. So I gave them those sub races. Mm -hmm. In fourth edition, they had them like you could take, I think it was additional take racial powers and so you would get their different powers at higher levels i think some of the stuff yep we were gonna have to keep that with racial feats for like poison um for their poison bite but i automatically mm -hmm. gave them like a standing mm -hmm. leap i gave them a, a natural ac of of 12 and you know kind of kept them sleepless um so they don't have to sleep but i did give yep. them a torpor where they they still have to kind of go into sort of sort of like the elf trance thing you know to, yeah yeah to let course. them have some rest Sure. So they were they were pretty pretty easy. You know, gave them some claws, and then proficiency with the Gaitka and Chakja. I think one of the things for races, and again talking about mechanics, I think one of the things for races is that as much as we want to, they don't, they generally don't make that gigantic of an effect later on in the game. Earlier on, it does obviously ability score, especially on a, a point by system or standard array, mm -hmm. makes a big difference. Later on in the game, it does not make as much bigger difference unless there's something that specifically carries forward like 
if you give someone proficiency early on, it makes a big difference early on, not so big later on. But if you have something, I'll take from Eberron, for example, you have something that adds a D, D4 on a skill, that's always going to be pretty effective. Like those kind of things are, are one of those kind of back and forth things. I'll talk, let's say the like tiefling, uh, tiefling hellish rebuke. I mean, it's stuck at second level, so it only does 2d10 damage at second or third level. It does 2d10. That amount of damage kind of gets minimized as you get higher and higher mm-hmm. level because it doesn't scale. Most of the uh, racial abilities don't scale. So when I looked at the conversions and looked at things that convert, and I looked at the PC races, one of the things, I and you 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 hit it right on the head, Robert, was just saying, I'm not comparing this character to my Forgotten mm-hmm. Realms character. I'm, I'm This is a Dark right. Sun character, which means in order to sort of fit people's abilities, you know, Threat Queen have a lot of abilities, Half Giants have a lot of, you know, a, a big, massive ability, blah, 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 those kind of things. What I looked at was I said, you know what? Why don't I just raise this? Because I have to redesign all these, these, these races anyways. Why don't I just set right. a new bar mm-hmm. for what races can right. do? Right. So if everybody's used any of those things, they, you know, that certain things have different, people have like ribbon abilities and whatnot. Just right. set the bar higher and then raise everybody to that same bar. It's a little more difficult because I think the dwarves don't have as much, many yep. abilities yep. in the Dark Sun. kind of low too. And the half-elves, mm-hmm. they had, didn't have a lot of abilities. So yeah, I ended up having to add some of the stuff to them. And that was, I, I was just kind of conceptualizing it. But that's what's like, hey, and, and that's something that wizards can do. They can say, well, we expect races to do this much, right? Well, why don't they do a little bit more now? And then we can add in the ability. So if you want Thrykreen to have poison, or this or that or not sleep and, and you're like oh this is a lot of stuff well give everybody right. else some some stuff to yeah, balance yeah. it back out and i think that's that's one of the things that that really unless you like if you look at the article where where wizards is talking specifically about the settings one of the things that mike merles mentions in that article is mm-hmm. is thracreen they say that this does not match like thracreen do not currently match our fifth edition race template standards mm-hmm. whatever it is which means I feel that for Dark Sun, you kind of yeah. have to change that. So don't try to match it to today's elf. Match to a Dark Sun elf, or or build the green and match the Dark Sun elf, the Athasian mm-hmm. elf mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, for sure. And I yeah. think you know, like going back yeah. with the half giants, yeah. like you know, playing as I've been playing my game, I've now got two half giants in two different groups, and you know, having them as like a, a medium sized miniature, it just doesn't it just it just doesn't feel right, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so I think I'm going to bump them up to large and yeah, there's issues, but I'm not going to give, I'm not going to give them the the double, double weapon damage. Yeah. And, you know, I think with their double hit dice, they can handle having a bunch of people around them. So, yeah. you know, those are things that I think are, you know, part of the setting that, you know, I'm just looking at this picture on page nine of the Dark Sun campaign setting. And it's literally a half giant sitting there and there's mm. a person sitting in front of them and the person only comes up to their waist. You know, like, you know, I feel like yeah. that's how, yeah. that's how it should be. I think, I like, I mean, one of the things, me personally, I think one of the things when I looked at half giants was like, yeah, make them large, but look at what they did with the centaurs, I think that are in Ravnica. Don't quote me this, I'm, I'm a little tired. I'm I think they're technically medium, aren't they? Centaurs, I think they're large, but oh, they? regardless, I mean, I think so. But anyways, go <laughs> now. Now I need to. Look. No. But you know, you can still say they're large. Maybe they still have to use medium weapons, but give them reach. They got long arms. Yeah, you're still using a great sword, but 
you got a little more space with that or you've got extra reach with the pole arm. I mean, it changes the dynamics, doesn't change the damage progression, but changes the dynamics of the table. Like there are certain things like that that kind of like there's a ways around mm-hmm. <laughs> there's ways around these kind of things, right? So just that was something I, I always found interesting and whatnot. So but anyway, so I mean we're why don't we move on to the next chapter? Because I think this is the one that takes up a lot <laughs> right. of meat of of sure. of this, right? So the next chapter is classes. So you know, this is where, like you said, the majority of people had had you know tons of questions. I asked on Twitter, Facebook, and Discord, and so I got a bunch of questions. Which you know, obviously, we've gone over some of them, but once we get to the end, we'll we'll go through those questions. But um, the first thing about classes is you know that that it went with the whole. Dark Sun is more powerful and your characters, you know, have to be, have to start at third level because first and second level characters die. (laughs) And so, you know, I like Mm -hmm. to keep that. I kept that with my games just for that little Dark Sun feel of, you know, old school feel. Yep. Doesn't really matter. You could start at first level if you wanted, but, you know, I just thought it was fun. Yeah. And first and second level characters in fifth edition are, you know, it is pretty swingy. You can die pretty pretty easy so it does kind of get you over that hump a little bit going on to the actual classes we've got your bard now bard i think is one of those classes that is going to need the most work in dark sun because Mm -hmm. in second edition bards had poisons and regular second edition bards just had like a little bit of magic whereas in fifth edition bards are a full caster class so it really doesn't fit mm-hmm. with the lore to have a caster. I tried to play, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you can use the College of Whispers. I tried to use that in my in one of my previous campaigns, fifth edition campaigns, with the col- uh, bard with the College of Whispers. And it just felt to me like, like it was a wizard. Like he was casting so many spells all the time that it just did not feel like a bard to me. It just yeah. felt like a wizard, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I... I... I absolutely agree. It's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, let me please, please understand. The College of Whispers is probably the closest thing that we are going to get without doing massive, massive, massive uh, right. changes. And I think like, I think in fifth edition, uh, Wizards, they, they're probably, that's probably what they're going to do. You know, they're going to use College of Whispers or they're going to, you know, do something else similar, but it's not, to me, it's, it's probably not going to feel right. Yeah. So, like, when I looked at this and I was like, you know, this is what a bar does. But like, like I, I never got that far into converting it. But what I really looked at was I was like, you know what? This poisoning thing and whatnot, this really felt more like I need to take a, a rogue, rename it as the bard archetype mm-hmm. or, 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 or whatnot to give it that. And to change some of the sneak attack into poison damage and obviously poisoner's kit, give it abilities as a minstrel, whatever. Like that's sort mm-hmm. of what I felt an Athasian bard would be in fifth edition. Now, someone can be, be like, no, that's absolutely wrong. It has to be bard. You're absolutely right. It could be. But to me, that's what it sort of felt like in order to take the spell casting portion out of it, instead of trying to redesign the bard, which is which in fifth edition is a full spell casting class and try to finagle finagle it when it's just a really that's a that's a word like the the word bard yes it reminds us of the class but it really could be something else like that's sort of where my brain went yeah when i was thinking about it so again you know i played 
you know, my last campaign, I played with the bard in the College Whispers. I didn't really like it. And so this time I had somebody else mm -hmm. say they wanted to play a bard. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go, since I didn't like them as the, the, the caster, I'm going to do something else. And so I thought about it for a while and yeah. I went back and forth between, you know, just making it a rogue subclass, but that didn't feel right either to me. And mm -hmm. so I was like, well, I guess I'm just <laughs> redesigning this class. And so yeah. Yeah. I basically just, instead of completely redesigning, I took out magic and I added poisoning. Now poisoning, I made I made it more than just, well, initially it was just poisons. And I took, there's mm -hmm. a bunch of poisons in the, um, in the third edition athos.org stuff. And so I used all of those poison names mm -hmm. and kind of made spells that were mm -hmm. essentially po you know, poisons, but they were right. by level and stuff like that. Yep. So, yep. so I could easily match it up with mm -hmm. the power level from that a wizard has. And yep. then also the player was yep. like, yep. you know, can I have them more, more than just, you know, poisons? Um, and so, she, you know, she was like, what about this ability and this ability? And she's like, it's kind of alchemical. And I was like, yeah, all that sounds great. So now we're kind of building it so it has more, yeah. you know, more utility that again, you know, but but yeah. also I go yeah. back and it's like, well, am I just recreating spells here? <laughs> you know, so I'm trying to find a line where mm -hmm. even if they are recreating spells, I just want to limit it. So it's not the major spells and obvious spells. Uh, so it still mm -hmm. feels like poison or feels like, right. you know, this sort of alchemy that they can do. Right. And then also one of the things that I mm -hmm. I've always thought would be cool for a bard would be like a psionic bard where, you know, you're using psionics to charm people and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So I've been thinking about a college of beguiling, which will be like a psionic subclass for bard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. So moving on, we've got um, fighters. Yep. So fighters in, in Dark Sun were more like generals, really, which was something cool about them. And that sort of tied in with the whole idea that you know, you could play Dark Zone with battle system and have you know, these huge wars. And so, so far, my campaigns haven't gotten that high level. In second edition, when you reach 10th level, you could get followers. And that's where you started to get a, a bunch of really cool stuff with fighters. So far, I've just been using the champion or the um, battle master, you know, from fifth edition. And, and those have been working great. We'll see once we get to 10th level uh, in this next campaign, what do I want to do? Like, do I want to keep with the kind of fifth edition paradigm or do I want to, you know, use a strongholds and followers like, uh, you know, Matt Colville did his strongholds and followers, which I have, you know, maybe do mm -hmm. something like that. So I'm, I'm not sure yet. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think to me, I think fighters is just, it's a pretty straightforward thing. You know, there's talk, there's everybody talks, there's, there's always a debate of is gladiator mm -hmm. uh, a fighter type or, or whatnot. I loved one of those things, the thing in fourth edition. Yeah with the themes yep. when we brought dark sun in the fourth edition i love those themes that you know a gladiator and it's almost a little bit like the background obviously the background in DD doesn't have uh in fifth edition doesn't have a mechanical effect but being a gladiator in in in, in fifth edition doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a fighter you know that kind of thing like just like in normal fifth edition if you're a soldier mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're a fighter it could be right. just your background sort of thing. And I kind of like, I, I kind of like that, but definitely like having a gladiator or gladiator style fighter or, or archetype, I think obviously fits very, very well. Just having a fighter mm -hmm. <laughs> just kind of seems to work yeah. pretty well. Yeah. So in, in for gladiators, I mean, it's hard. Like you said, I, I really, really loved themes in fourth yeah. edition. 
it was the best, one of the best things they did. Mm -hmm. You know, they made Templar a theme, they made Dune Trader a theme, they made Gladiator a theme, and it was great. Because those are the things, you know, Templars, like there was Defiler Templars, and there's, you know, just different aspects of Templars that, that you could use and still just throw that theme on top of it. And it was great. One theme I didn't like was like the the elemental priest theme. Like I thought that was super weak and they took out clerics, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I understand what they were doing, but I just didn't, you know, I didn't like it. So, you know, maybe you could, maybe they will add, you know, a theme or an expanded backgrounds or something like that to sort of up the power level mm-hmm. to where we could still have gladiators, Templars and, you know, dune traders as, as sort of this ba- expanded yeah. background or something yeah. like that. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, clerics are one of the things that had are, are the most different. I don't want to say most slavery things really different, but clerics have a are very different because there's no deities. But I think it's actually, you know, if you were to go straight cleric to cleric, it's pretty easy to create a domain that fits one of the 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 elements. If you look at the the light domain, the current light domain, that's a very mm-hmm. fire based. It's radiant and fire-based. I mean, you could just kind of do some shifting around. Makes a very, very fire-based yeah. cleric. And there's your there's your fire, uh, uh, you know, cleric of fire, elemental fire. And you could do that with the other ones. It works. It it works really well. It fits very well. But during our cleric episode, remember that Robert and I talked about whether the priests of the clerics of Dark Sun were clerics mm-hmm. or were they some sort of warlock? Were they? Because we talk like they specifically talk about pacts right. with the elemental, uh, the elemental deities, not deities, the elemental lords. Lords, sorry, I'm just my brain's mm-hmm. not functioning. Um, <laughs> so that creates something, and, and that's a decision that you, as the DM, or you as the world maker, or you as Wizard of the Coast, need to go in and make and be like, maybe, maybe it's not a cleric you're looking at. Maybe clerics are gone because those deal with deities. Maybe it's a, a type of warlock that you deal with that you have to give some healing spells to or whatever, but maybe that's it. Or maybe you create a class that kind of mushes those together or change <laughs> clerics a little. I, I don't know, but that's an interesting question. And it was sort of as I was looking at this, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to convert it and I'm going to do this. I'm like, hmm, what would, what would making that, what would making that, what would that do sort of thing? Right. Yeah. So, I've had clerics in you know a few of my games, and it's gone a couple of different ways. I've given the option that you can either create a straight cleric, you know, a priest, or you can make a warlock. In one game, I had a guy who created a water warlock. We used the celestial pact or the celestial whatever it's called, you know, the celestial subclass or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and so he could heal. Now, this player was was really good. So he basically reflavored everything to water and it worked really, really well. I had another game where someone created a warlock that was supposed to be a cleric, but he didn't reflavor really anything. And so it mm-hmm. didn't feel like he was a cleric of, I forget what he was. Right. It just felt like he was playing a warlock. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it didn't feel the way I wanted it to yeah. um, and, or the way I thought it should. Right. And so... A lot of it is going to come down to that, to flavoring, because the warlock, what are they called? Their invocations are very, you know, very flavored to that sort of yep. dark pact. Like if you mm-hmm. can change a lot of those names and make them more elemental based, <laughs> then, then it, it might work a little bit better. Yeah. Yep. I agree. 
and then I've had a, you know, a player playing a cleric, a straight cleric, and that feels pretty good. I feel like it just needs, you know, we need some more domains that are more tied to the elements. Uh, like yep. in third edition, Athos.org put out a bunch of uh, a bunch of domains that were specific for elemental stuff, yep. and and you know, all of that stuff feels good. So sure, sure, yeah. I would like the option to do both because I like warlocks give you a little more, you know, a little more aggressive view of a cleric, <laughs> which I always thought there yeah. would be, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I remember I created an elemental champion back in the day, which was a kit for second edition that kind of let you be like a kind of like, you know, a paladin, if, mm-hmm. if you will, of your of your element. And I feel like yeah. warlocks would do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So going on from clerics, we go into druids. So druids, they were also elemental based, but they had this guarded land. And when they had their guarded lands, they could pick two elements to use in their guarded lands. Mm-hmm. So if we had like a waterfall, they could maybe pick water and air. You know, if they had lava, you know, they could pick earth and fire, you know, mm-hmm. so they were very tied to their lands. And so yeah. in fifth edition, I would say that, you know, there's probably no circle of the moon druid. Just because that's a while darks and druids can shape change, it's not until like tenth level. So I always felt right. like Circle of the Moon kind of you know breaks that feel a little bit. Sure, sure. Obviously, Circle of the Land is going to be your sort of go to. Yep. But I feel like it would need to be maybe you could put you know maybe four different circles to have different you yeah. know circles of like kind of mm-hmm. have your major water you know earth air water and fire thing. Yeah, I mean there's there's a breakdown on Circle of the Land so. I never played it. I I only started playing a druid in, in a home campaign recently. I've never played a druid basically before, and definitely never played one in Dark Sun. So that that's a it's not something that I I kind of came across. But I agree with you. Circle of the Land was that's one of the that's that kind of fits with the guarded land and and whatnot mm-hmm. and and sacred space uh, sort of thing. If you're going to ex- extend it to Xanathar's, I'm, I'm not too sure what it would be. But yeah, I I mean I think druid is 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 almost it's pretty straightforward actually you just have to take into there's a there's a role playing aspect into the guarded lands and whatnot and the effects that those have and whatnot so i mean there's some some mechanical stuff there as well yeah but i mean like if you took ended up taking like circle the shepherd or what's the other one the dreams and all that stuff like i feel like yeah. that's just getting away from sort of the themes that yep. that yep. you know you're gonna have in dark sun so sure sure i feel like th- there's a lot of a lot of that, like those, you know, alternate subclasses in, in, in other books that kind of really pull away from kind of dark mm-hmm. sun themes. Yeah. Moving on after Druids, we've got Templars. So Templars yep. in second edition were their own class. I don't see them making their own, making them their own class. I'm totally fine. Again, with the sort of same sort of dichotomy as clerics, like, do you make them yep. priests or do you make them warlocks? You know, that was something yep. that they yep. did in fourth edition. And it was amazing. Like that was one of the coolest things I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in fourth edition was making Templars warlocks. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that also is going to be, was a stark departure from second edition was that you can't lose your magic. Like if you're a warlock, the way they described it was like, if you were a Templar warlock, then you were, you had your powers invested into you. Mm-hmm. through arcane rituals and so you always had them one of the things mm-hmm. that was cool and that's not something that you can really hand wave away either like in one of the whole ideas you know in fourth in second edition like in the first book is that Kalak dies you know spoilers Kalak dies and and all any all of his templars lose their magic like mm-hmm. that's a major point in the book and point yep. in you know the setting so yep. 
I, I'm totally fine with that. I would still rule that even a warlock, if you play it as a warlock, um, yeah. and you lose your, you know, your holy symbol, then you're you're kind of SOL. Which I understand yeah. from a game design point, they don't want to do that. But in mm-hmm. my dark sun, mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like I like Templars as warlocks. You know, if you're not going to design a new brand new class, and obviously we're talking about we're not talking about what Wizards is going to do here. We're talking about what what is it that we have with our current set of books and and everything what is it i i see templars as warlocks there's an unwritten rule i think in warlocks that if your patron dies or your patron gets pissed off at you you they, you do lose your powers or you do lose mm-hmm. access to some of them you know i i agree that you know you know templars are that thing where it's like if if they if you do something and something goes wrong or your your king your sorcerer king dies yeah you should lose the powers that that's that's a given but from a game for science santa no one wants to take a class but the other thing is maybe yeah. templars are not a class that's definitely something i mean maybe they're they're not a they're not a player class you know one of our first episodes one of our first episodes was it maybe our first episode no that's that first episode one of our earliest episodes we talked about templars are the enemy mm-hmm. and unless you are playing that side it's it, it might be that templars are better just suited to be npcs mm-hmm. we don't know who knows i mean yeah to keep with the same, you know, trying to port second edition to fifth edition, I, I would say def. Me personally, I would say definitely warlock. Mm-hmm. And I think there could be some arguments for priests only. Like, can warlocks raise dead? Not really sure. You can add it to the list. Like, okay, so be, yeah, yeah, you have to on your list here. So one of the things with 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 templars was that they they could raise dead, and so they had they were known to you know have have undead you know zombies and skeletons and mm-hmm. stuff like that so like you said you know you could reflavor some stuff in warlock you know or you could do the you could do both like i said with clerics you know you could have people choose um yep. if you wanted to use them as player characters but i also really like the idea like you were just saying of you know like a background or a theme for templars mm-hmm. so that you could be a different class you know yeah. if you want to be an assa- templar assassin then you, you know, you're a rogue or whatever one of the things that just came out with the interview with gary about city state of tier was that in the original document, Walter had a Tyrian Templar kit, which would, you know, let you mm-hmm. choose another class, and then you would throw that Templar kit on top of it, mm-hmm. so you could still be a Templar, but you'd be a different class, yeah. um, and you'd still have the Templar powers of judgment mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know, yeah. within your city state. So yeah. that's another great way to go as yeah. well. Very much, a, very much one of those theme things that we don't have in fifth edition, and. And maybe that's this is where they get reintroduced. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so there's two more classes, two more big classes, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna take a you know this is these are the two two big ones that people people really really want to know about. Yeah. So we've got wizards. Yeah. We're gonna talk about preserving and defiling here. So yep. you know what's your what's your perspective? You know, back in the day, it was two different classes. You got your preserver and you got your defiler. <sighs> yeah. I think one of the things with like looking at fifth edition for a sec, one of the things about wizards is it, it literally has the most amount of subclasses. You've got eight plus mm-hmm. n- nine, 10, 10 or 11 introduced just by wizards, you know, base books and mm-hmm. whatnot. That's a lot of classes. It's, it's like twice or three times as many as most of the other, other, other classes. Mm-hmm. And what you were talking about now is to, shunt that down into if we go with with second edition preserver and defiling to be honest if 
so the the fundamental discussion here is whether is how to define defiling. And I, I know that sounds kind of weird, but if you have here's a wizard and here's a defiler, it's very, very easy to create defiler abilities because then the defiler constantly has those abilities, right? I'm, I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear here, but you know, one of the things, so the, the, the issue here is whether or not a preserver would be able to use defiler abilities. Uh, mm-hmm. Defiler def- would be able to defile. And if the answer is no, then it's very easy to, to separate the two of them. No problem. You're making two different subclasses. You're done. If the preserver is able to defile, that's where you get the mix. <laughs> that's where the things kind of get mm-hmm. confusing, right? You know, obviously in, in second edition, the defiler gained power, like they gained levels faster because their XP uh, charts were, were took less XP to gain power. Yeah. And that was a good way to, in, in second edition, that was a very, very good way to denote the two of them. But now you're going to gain levels at the same time. That means right. you need to give the defiler different abilities. It doesn't have to like doesn't have to be more powerful. There has to be different abilities where it might feel more advantageous, but your drawback is obviously you are defiling and you've got you've got a, a role playing aspect there. Mm-hmm. I think one of the way for me personally, one of the ways I, I might do it is basically if the preserver wants to be able to defile, there needs to be either a consequence or they have to actually I don't know, take a feat. Or something like that, where you get that ability, and it's never going to be as maybe as powerful as a full defiler, maybe something like that. Like that's that's where I got with that 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 thought because I originally started with the thought of, well, if a preserver can defile, then what makes the defiler interesting? And I just said, mm-hmm. no, that you kind of have to separate these two, and it kind of it kind of defeats the purpose. I know it's not exactly what Second Edition did. But you kind of had to separate the two and just really give them different abilities. Like the defiler, it's like you might have end up with two different spell lists almost for the between the two of them. Hmm. I, I don't know. I like I said, I, I've never got that far into defining this, but that's more my thought process had gone with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have not really gotten real far into it either because this goes back to sort of the Templar argument as well in that i kind of think defilers are the bad guys so yes i'm not really letting people play just like defilers mm-hmm. now if you want to play a preserver and you occasionally defile i'm okay with that mm-hmm. and so what i've done with that is no one's ever done it yet the one wizard that i had before he was just always really good and so he would not defile like under any circumstances and i i never right. got him in a bad enough place that he would do it <laughs> But I always dangle it out there. And so I'll, I'll tell you kind of what my ideas are. Sure. And that is basically that it's one class, okay? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know if like Troy just didn't know where he was going with Sidira mm-hmm. at the beginning, but Sidira is one of the, you know, the main, one of the main characters in the books and she's yep. a preserver, but then she also defiles. And so... Yep. The, you know, they immediately broke the paradigm of defilers and preservers being different. So then yep. you have to rationalize like, well, how do, how do we do this then? So yep. I'm kind of keeping the, I like to keep that novel paradigm where, um, and then, you know, it's been done in third edition. There's a couple different, uh, both third edition and there was, I think even some second edition, I think there was an article by Richard Baker about to defile or not to defile or something like that, mm-hmm. where preservers could defile, but if they did, they would you know, gain some kind of taint or corruption. 
And so that gave them that negative aspect that it kind of physically altered them to be not so nice, um, right. not, you know, to not look so nice, stuff like that, which I like. And then you kind of go on the idea, well, like you said, previously defilers got, they were able to advance faster. You can't really model that specifically mm -hmm. just because of the way XP works now and stuff, but you could, you could do something else. You could make preservers preserve slower. You could require that preservers use their, their bonus action to, to preserve. And if you didn't do that, then you were defiling. You know, mm -hmm. that could be one thing I, I haven't implemented that, but that was, you know, that was, was one of my thoughts. Yep. And then you could also kind of do a little bit of the opposite. You could just say that preservers just, pre you know, you preservers preserve, they, they, they take magic slowly and defilers, they take magic fast, but instead of actually being it fast, you could just say they take more of it. Yeah. And so they take that magic and they can use it to use meta magic. So this was something that came out in third edition was defilers using meta magic, which I, I like, I think that yep. Yep. gives them the extra boost in power. It makes their spells seem stronger. So it makes them seem more powerful. Technically they're advancing at the same rate, but it just gives them a little boost. I feel like. And so, right, right. you know, that's kind of where I would go. You could also do, you know, like in, Third edition, they had the raise feats and those kind of things. You know, you could continue with those to give them a little bit more oomph as well. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely one of those things that this is this is going to go through some development passes, and you're going to see surveys. And I, I would be shocked if we didn't see this survey come up a couple times. I mean, uh, if you've been following for Eberron, you know, the artificer came out a couple times, three times actually, to look at different artificers. Now I I would be shocked if if this same topic didn't come up and be like, mm -hmm. what does the public think? What do you right, think? Right. What are these, you know, several thousand or hundred thousand people, Dark Sun fans? What do you think about it? So, <laughs> yeah, not, neither neither Robert and I have an answer. I mean, I'm, I'm sure like some of those conversions do have some, and I to be honest, I haven't read them because again, Robert's correct. Like, Defiler is is one of the baddies, is one of your main bad guys in Dark Sun. Big bad guy, all defilers. So it's, <laughs> yeah, pretty you know, much. It's, you know, it's this is not a fight fire with fire thing. This is maybe fight him with something else, sort of. <laughs> yeah. So, so before we jump into the last and probably the most important class to Dark Sun, let's <laughs> just remind everybody there are no paladins, there yep. are no sorcerers. Now, it's not to say that sorcerer maybe couldn't exist. You can take some of the the arguments of of some of the other classes I'm like, Oh, maybe you can put sorcerer in. Sure. No problem. Just traditionally sorcerers didn't exist. There's no precedent for it in dark sun, but it's not to mm -hmm. say that I, I, me personally, I don't think there's anything that says that sorcerer can't exist. I mean, it's a bloodline thing. Now you're not gonna yeah. have a draconic sorcerer. You're not going to have celestial source. Like some of these sorcerers are not going to exist, but you can always create new ones that sort of like your bloodline creates a sort of a magical thing. Yeah. So the reason that I would sort of not include sorcerers was, would be twofold. One is because I like the metamagic defiling thing. So yeah, I would yep. probably push metamagic into, into, you know, into defiling sure. and then therefore the sorcerer abilities kind of get screwed and secondary on the lore side, like you said, there's, there's not any evidence of any kind of sorcerers of that kind of blood magic. And thirdly, going along with that though, that's kind of just, I guess, propping up the second one is really that 
that sorcerers get their magic from themselves inside themselves with which is kind of the antithesis of dark sun magic which, mm-hmm. which is external like you're getting it yep. from the plants yeah and so magic. i just think the yeah arcane magic i i just feel like that it's, it's kind of butting up against the theme too much sure. and i yep. you know i'm just gonna i would just cut cut it for that reason yeah. for sure for sure paladins you know now that in fifth edition you don't have to you know your paladins don't have to be good yeah so you could have oath of conquest templar maybe i could see that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't love it i'm just kind of eh. i mean if somebody wrote it really well maybe it would fit well but mm-hmm. right now i'm just kind of meh i could go either way yeah go either way with it you know if one of my players really was like i want to play an oath of an oath of tyranny paladin or something like that mm-hmm. uh templar I might, you know, I might just be like, yeah, sure. Let's see how that feels. Yeah. Let's see you how, know, I'm not, how it works out. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. um, all right, all right. let's get Last into the one, big one. Most important one. So psionics. Yeah. <laughs> Go for so it. So this is not just the class. I mean, this is just everything. Psionics is the big one. Um, psionics permeates the world. I think both Robert and I have, have spoken and said it out loud. We will not see dark sun until psionics like the mystic is basically ready for ready to be finalized. I, I, I will stick to my guns on this one. You are not going to see dark sun without, well, they call it the mystic right now, but you're not going to see dark sun without some type of psionics, just like you weren't going to see, you're not going to see Eberron without the artificer. I still believe that, you know, we've seen a bunch of artificer play tests. We do have the Eberron hardcover coming, but I don't know. And if I do, I'm under NDA, so I can't say, but, <laughs> <laughs> but basically like that's a, that's a part of the setting. And really there was no other setting that integrated Sionix like Dark Sun did. So you can, I, I'm putting my stamp here. You're going to see some sort of Sionix, some Sionicists, whatever it is before we get Dark Sun, like that's going to happen. Right. So, but what we currently have is the mystic and that this is, Iteration two, iteration three. I don't know how three, many iterations yeah. we have of this three, the, yeah. the third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this this iteration. Remember, the last mystic we got is at least a couple years old now. I think yeah, twenty seventeen. Uh, yeah, twenty seventeen. So I, I think it was early twenty seven. Oh, I actually don't remember. But twenty seventeen. So let's say two years. Mm-hmm. So it's been two years since this has come back. So, and I think Mike Burles has gone on record saying the next mystic you see will probably be our final one or before it's finalized in the book, right? So this mystic is not, the Sionix is not Dark Sun Sionix. I, I don't know I don't know if Robert agrees with me. This, I'm, I'm just saying this now. <laughs> there are some things that would fit very well in Dark Sun. There's other things that feel more high fantasy Sionix to make it kind of match up with with like a, wiz, a high level wizard, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like, and that's what I kind of feel. And some of those is just that just yeah. don't it just won't work right and that, that that's okay that's okay because like when again i'm going to use eberron because when the first artificer came out with with the the gun artificer and everything like that but how it made it into a striker class with the the progression of of damage that was not the that was not the artificer that people people were expecting for dark uh, for eberron so I'm going to say that this mystic, while is kind of a cool, don't get me wrong, I think this mystic is actually pretty cool. I played one in a campaign up to like level eight or nine. It's very, very cool. It's it's a very, it's it's the high fantasy mystic that I wanted. And 
would actually really fit really well with the character concept that I've, I've thought about since second edition and played. Mm-hmm. It is not the Dark Sun Mystic. It's not the Dark Sun Psionics. So I I agree to an extent. It doesn't feel yeah. the same. One of the one of the problems we're going to have, and I haven't seen it solved. Uh, I haven't looked intensely, but is that the second edition Psionics? There was a product called the Will and the Way. Um, which had a bunch of, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of new psionic powers. And it really went into detail in a way that we're never going to see stuff put into detail, except for on the DMs Guild again. Mm-hmm. But they really tied in the, what they call Tarandon psionics. That's like your classic psionic, like what we use in second edition. Mm-hmm. So they really made Tarandon psionics a thing with the disciplines and the sciences and the devotions. Like those are words that in, you know, yeah, maybe it was a little bit, you know, of outside of fantasy. Maybe we should have called them something other than yeah, sciences science or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's a little more science fiction-y. Yeah. But nonetheless, they were heavily tied in. And so anything we do is going to feel very different now. Because, again, it's yeah. going to do the same thing that the Warlocks did, you know, with, you know, it's going to take away that that feel of like, well, if you lose your Warlock, then, then but you still have powers. Well, that's not how it was in second edition. So it's going to be the same sort of thing. Well, you know, these yep. powers are described differently. And therefore, they're not going to feel the same. So sure. we're just either going to have to suck it up, or we're going to have to, you know, make our own <laughs> rules to to be where, where yeah. you know where we want it to be. One of the mm-hmm. things also with Second Edition that was kind of popular at the time was sort of having these like mini games. So Psionics was sort of like a mini game when you yeah. would attack somebody, and it was the way it was in the fiction again, that you would go to this other realm, you know, in your mind, and then you would mm-hmm. kind of you would manifest these, you know, your constructs and then your construct yep. would fight the other person constructs. And so it's cool in a novel. It's not so cool in an RPG. No, no. You know, ask any Shadowrun rigor or not. Really, <laughs> yeah, you know? I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Any of that kind of stuff where, you're, you know, you're playing this mini game. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't think we're going to see that in fifth edition. No, no. Now, that being said, I like, I like the mystic. For the most part, I th- I think it feels mm-hmm. like a different system. It doesn't feel yep. like spells 2.0. Yep. And so those things I like. Oh yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with. Like I like the mystic. I just don't like it for Dark Sun. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it is quite powerful. Yeah. It does things. It, it does things that would not happen in Dark Sun. Like there's like ice powers or water right. powers. I'm like, no, I, I, I agree. hundred percent mastery. Right? So the Wu Gen is one of the sub subclasses that's just out. Right. Cause it's, yep. it's way too, it's, t- it's, it's way too elemental based. And so therefore it's, mm-hmm. you know, stepping on the toes of, uh, of clerics of the cleric or, yeah. you know, the, the elemental priests. And so in addition, like mastery of ice and water is just a no go just because the themes yeah. Earth, I could sort of, you know, there's some of those, but nah, yeah, not really. And then mm-hmm. fire, fire, I could see, you know, um, yeah. yep. you know, there's always been this undercurrent of, you know, fire starting and, you know, that sort of telekinesis sub power yeah. in psionic. So I'm, I'm okay with the yeah. fire stuff. So, I mean, it's, I, I like, like I said, I, I, I like the powers. I think they're a little overpowered to be very, very honest. Yeah. And some of the things that it does, you know, kind of keeping that kind of like cantrip like thing, wild talent. I think there are, those are in there. It's it's like I said, it's been a while since I've used them. Yeah, I think those things work, but I just don't I don't see this as Dark Sun's psionics. And from what I understand about how Wizards works is while they do these things and they put these these classes out and they they try a bunch of things, 
if they're going to introduce a class like the mystic or a psionicist, they're going to stick it in, they're going to stick it in a book. And they're going to stick it in a book, not just to be in a book, they're going to stick it in a book because it's thematically appropriate for that. So mm-hmm. you're going to get a thematically, I, I really honestly believe you're going to get, we're going to get a thematically appropriate psionics for Dark Sun. Yes. Does it port over to other other games? Absolutely. I think it'll port over to other games. If you want Psyonix in, in Ebron, and obviously Psyonix was part of Ebron as well, you're going to see it. But I think that this class or, or class or, or however they do it will be specifically thematically appropriate to Dark Sun. And we haven't seen that yet. And I'm very excited to see it because that that tells me that Dark Sun is on the horizon, that they're now thinking not just a general psionics class, which I, I, if I remember some of the Mike Merle's thing, he's very excited. He likes psionics. Like he, he likes the class. He, he likes the concept of it. He, he likes to, he wanted it modernized or demodernized, like no more psychokinesis <laughs> and psychometabolism. Those, yeah. those words don't exist in, in the vocabulary, but stuff like, you know, body change or, or whatever it is, like those you know, I, I like the the names of the powers. Actually, I think those are really cool. You know, they sound more like <laughs> they sound more like you yeah know, fantasy stuff. But so I'm going to disagree with you. I think that this version of the Mystic is what we're getting for Dark Sun. You think so? I think it is. Oh. I think I think Mike Merles loves this Mystic too much, um, and that's what <laughs> we're going to get. All right. I mean, I I like I like the idea of the orders. I you know I don't know. You know, maybe they could be changed a little bit. I I like how all of the orders kind of have their own sets of disciplines and, you know, some yep. overlap, yep. which I think is cool. I think most of the disciplines work well with the exception of, you know, like we were talking about the, the Wu Gen stuff. Some of yep. them work, but some of them don't. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I could see instead of having them be Order of the Immortal, Order of the Awakened, they would be, they could be specific orders within Dark Sun, which would be a cool addition sure. i think that we haven't really sure, seen sure. there are you know in the will and the way there are some sort of like offshoot groups which could be you know have their own orders which i think would be cool and so i think sure. i feel like there is room like one of my one of my players is playing a soul knife and so far i'm not really feeling it like it's kind of like uh i think that was in mm-hmm. what in third editions when they kind of started doing the what was it called uh where they would basically make stuff out of ectoplasm which was definitely like not really something in dark sun oh and so yeah like channeler or something like a, yeah, i can't remember what they call like, it um, they turned the psionics into like the scion the wilder the psychic warrior the soul knife sort of thing and then they added the um well they just added it was they changed they took out meta creativity as a discipline and they added psycho something i can't even remember what it was but it was yeah. uh, like this uh, psycho like a sum, it's like a psycho class psycho creativity or something like that yeah, so it made mm. stuff, which I, I didn't really like. And that's kind of where I feel this soul knife is right now. So I'm not yeah. really digging it. Although I, again, if it was something that was just like reflavored maybe, because I do like the idea for some reason of like, a, you know, of a psychic knife or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what, what, what about it is bugging me right now, but something. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, I like the orders. I like the disciplines for the most part. Yeah. I feel like it needs to be tweaked. Yeah. Like you said, they're they're really powerful at higher levels. Yeah. They're very um they're very utilitarian. They can yeah. do a lot of things. Um so I think that needs to be pared back a little bit. I don't like yeah. the power cha- uh psionic investigation. It's much too powerful. 
it just basically mm-hmm. ruins any kind of mystery <laughs> where you have like a dead body <laughs> or you know something because yeah. you can just be like oh what did you know what did this light post see obviously you're not gonna find a light post in dark sun but what did this yep. i don't know what did this box see last night and you can just like yep. you know s- you know see anything that happened within 24 hours so that power is yep. way way over the power we talked about yep. Yep. mastery of ice and water that's a no-go the wall of wood is just very you know out of dark sun you know there's not enough wood you know to make a gigantic mm-hmm. wall like that and then all of the the mastery of element powers like at seven level uh when you spend seven PSIs, you can create an elemental, which again, just, yep. uh, you know, steps on clerics too much in my opinion. Yep. Yep. I think the, I think the thing with, with this class, if you want to play a superheroes game with D and D, this is the class for you. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it, you, you disagree with me if you want, like, but <laughs> no, that's I what agree, I really yeah. feel. Yeah. You know, I, that's what I really feel. And, and it's not a bad thing, but that's not, what we want dark sun to feel like like that's that's one that's why i don't feel like we've we're on the right track here i i love this class i mean it it does feel like a superhero class but i you know i I, like i said i played i played a i don't remember which class which one it was but i played a mystic through eight or nine levels and um i was frustrating my dm because he's like you can do what i'm like yeah it's one of my powers (laughs) right Right, and then yeah. the rest of the party was like, why are we even here? Right, yeah, it was def- definitely a little you know? little overpowered. So talking about Sonic still, there's one more kind of thing to talk about here in that one of the cool things about Dark Sun was that everybody had psionics. Well, not everybody, everybody, but every PC, every player character yeah. had psionics. And so there's, I don't think there's really any rules in the Mystic right now for wild talents. I thought there was. I mean, there's things called like- talents, which are easy powers. Are like like low level powers, but they're not. I don't think there's yeah. wild talents. At least they don't call it that. I, I don't think I call it that. But like, yeah, there's there's they're called psionic talents. Yeah, but so what yeah. I did, I'm I'm just gonna go over with what I did. I did real quick. So in, in you know before we really had the mystic class, I just created a list of like I don't know, fifteen or eighteen first and zero and first level spells and cantrips that were sort of sort of yep. psionic you know, feelings. Yeah. And so I, I just kind of gave that I'll release that. I'm going to release, uh, I'm going to start releasing a bunch of my fifth edition stuff on Athos that were just like an article at a time, sure, little, sure. little things. Um, and so I'll release yeah. that so people can use that if they want, but I also need to go here and I think I might look into the psionic talents from the mystic and see if I can create another alternate sort of wild sure. talent list. And so the way I do it though, like I was saying is I have these first level and zero level spells that basically you can cast once a day. Yep. And then once you get to, you know, fifth uh, and 11th level, you can, you know, manifest them twice or three times a day. So, you know, everybody has one, all the player characters have one, but um, just kind of something yep. a little special. And it's been cool. Like I had one uh, last campaign, I had a, a, a mole gladiator who had mm-hmm. jump. And so he used it to devastating effect. Like he would jump and like, I remember him landing, like, you know, there was a wagon uh, and there's a Templar on it. And then, you know, around the wagon was yep. uh, the Templar guards and, and, you know, they were on Crodloos and stuff like that. And so everybody was fighting the guards and nobody could get to the Templar. Well, this mole, you yep. know, used his jump power <laughs> and jumped over everybody and, and just, des- yep. just, just destroyed <laughs> the Templar. So yeah. it was cool. You know, that, those are the kind of things, cool. you know, we, right. we definitely want. <laughs> we are reaching our about hour and a half mark here. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a two or maybe even three-parter, don't know, <laughs> for this episode. But 
please, please stay tuned. I, I mean, Robert and I really want to to give you guys some advice and, and whatnot. And absolutely do not need to listen to us. Like some of you have your full conversions out there. And we do want to answer some of these questions. Um, we've got a we've got a lot of questions. So keep up those questions. You know, keep listening. We're gonna to try to to finish this off in in a reasonable amount of time, but uh hope we kind of like doing that. So just to wrap up here and again part one of, of this fifth edition update. Robert, if people want to get in touch with you and want to, to uh, pick your brain and or you know just play some games with you, how do they do that? Yeah, I'll get to that. I just wanted to kind of go over real quick oh, sure. about what we're going to talk about in the future a little bit. You know, We'll talk about skills. We'll talk about survival, the heat, how, mm-hmm. how we're doing that. How is that different from kind of your standard fifth edition stuff? Money, equipment, inferior, you know, inferior weapon quality, inferior armor, advanced beings. We didn't get into that at all. We'll talk about that. And then, we'll, you know, like you said, we'll get into the fan questions. There were quite a few. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we'll be able to wrap that up in one more episode or but we'll take it to two if we need to. So, yeah. but you can find me if you want to talk to me uh, about Dark Sun stuff or anything else D&D related. You can find me on Twitter at Radu76. You can find me on uh, Facebook in the Dark Sun group, or if you want to talk about 5th edition stuff, there's the 5th edition Dark Sun group, or sorry, 5th edition D&D group. You can find me at arena.athis.org, which is the Dark Sun forums. There's a Dark Sun Discord. You can find me there too. And if you want to come <laughs> play some 5th edition Dark Sun, you can find me at patreon.com slash robertadici. I just started a second group, and if we get any more players we're going to start a third group so what i'm doing is uh since there's been such a an outpouring of support for for more games i'm running like a west marches style game so each game Mm -hmm. you know like everybody we're all playing in tier you know in honor of walter my you know this campaign is set in tier Mm -hmm. so it's just after Kalak died everyone's kind of trying to figure out what's going on and it's basically going to be you know, all the players are just going to get together whatever they can and will run whatever adventure people want to run on a specific day. So it's kind of like right. a West Marches style. Players will decide which adventures they kind of go after. They're going to have a bunch of rumors to, you know, to, to head up and, you know, things to do so they can decide what they want to do and how they want to kind of shape the city. So That's right. I'm really excited to be running this campaign. I've, I've not been this excited to run a campaign in a long time. So um, <laughs> it's been fun. So again, check that out. And uh, right now I've got two two games a month but hopefully we'll be adding a third soon awesome awesome how about you where can people find you not very easily these days um, <laughs> um <laughs> I, i'm juggling two kids now so that 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 changes things but uh For sure. if you want to come find me um visionary comms on twitter just throw me a line and i'll try to get back to you otherwise i'm i'm not as public <laughs> these days <laughs> but you can jump on you can jump online you can jump on, on facebook and I'm in those groups. Um, I'm a little quiet right now, just trying to deal with a, little, a couple other things. But, uh, but anyways, thank you so much for listening, listeners. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about this episode. We got a quite a bit of a roll tonight, and uh, we don't want to we don't want to talk your ear off for like five hours. So we're gonna cut the episode a little short and join us next time as we we continue on with uh, more fifth edition Dark Sun. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye. Stone and Obsidian is hosted by the Misdirected Mark Network, the media arm of Encoded Designs.